1: Hello and welcome in to this episode of La Liga Lowdown. I'm your host Jim McTeer and I'm delighted to bring you the next episode in our series where we're telling the story of all the La Liga clubs. This time around, we're focusing on Real Madrid and all the success they've achieved over the years. This is a club most famous for winning 13 European Cups, more than any other football team on the continent. A lot more, in fact. So, let's start off this podcast by listening to a few of the commentary clips from a few of those Champions League successes.
0: El balón de Panucci a punto de llegar Raúl. No, Roberto Carlos. Roberto Carlos
2: Millatovic. Gol. Ha marcado el Madrid. Ha marcado Millatovic minuto
3: 21 de la segunda parte.
0: Está Roberto Carlos. El balón para Zidane. Qué difícil. Oh, golazo. Qué golazo.
3: Qué difícil y qué golazo. Qué difícil. Y qué golazo acaba de marcar Zidane en el minuto 44 de la primera parte. Cómo le venía, era dificilísima, pero no hay nada difícil para Zidane. Atlético
4: en el área. Ahí está Modri que va a sacar el córner. Saca Modri. Arriba Thiago, remata Ramos. Gol. Gol.
1: Eh? We heard there the commentary from when Real Madrid won their seventh, ninth, tenth, and thirteenth European Cups, helped by those goals from Miatovic. Zidane, Ramos and Bale. But even half a century before the European Cup was even created, Real Madrid were already a big deal. So we'll start this story at the beginning and we'll start it with Roman de Arquer narrating. Here's Roman coming up after we briefly listen in to the Real Madrid official hymn.
0: Que por con y blanca, que no
2: While they are seen as a serial winning machine at present, the club we know today as Real Madrid had quite humble beginnings. The origins can be traced back to a group of students who were looking to play regular weekend football in the Spanish capital at the turn of the 19th century into the 20th century. A few of those students broke off following a dispute to form their own club and on March the 6th 1902 Madrid Football Club was officially founded with Juan Padros as the first president. Three years following their foundation Madrid won their maiden trophy beating Athletic Club in the Copa del Rey final in 1905. In 1909, Madrid became a founding member of the Spanish Football Federation and continued to win regional and national titles. So successful were they that in 1920, the King Alfonso XIII bestowed a royal title to the club, officially making them Real Madrid. Over the course of the next decade, Real Madrid went on international tours to play exhibition matches and they also formed part of the first ever La Liga season in 1929, finishing as runners-up to bitter rivals Barcelona. In the 1931-32 season, they won their first league championship before repeating the feat in the following year. The Spanish Civil War between 1936 and 1939 shook the Spanish football scene up for many teams and it was actually Atlético de Madrid who emerged the strongest in the post-war years as they teamed up with the Spanish Air Force. In 1943 though, Santiago Bernabéu took over as president and, under his presidency, Real Madrid returned to the very top of Spanish football. One of his main accomplishments was to build a stadium that would later take his name, with a new state-of-the-art ground opening in 1947. The 1940s may not have been as decorated with titles for Real Madrid, but important foundations were built. As a new decade dawned, a golden era was on the horizon for Los Blancos. The club officially began its academy, which was founded by Miguel Malvo. Meanwhile, Santiago Bernabéu made signings that would prove pivotal to the club's success, such as signing Alfredo Di Stefano and Amancio Amaro. Di Stefano in particular became a superstar for Real Madrid, winning not only silverware for the team, but also lifting individual accolades including the Pichichi and Ballon d'Or. He also spearheaded Real Madrid to winning the competition they would become synonymous with, the European Cup. The competition was founded in 1955 after being proposed by L'équipe journalist Gabriel Anot. Initially, it was only for the reigning champions or the winners of their domestic leagues, making Real Madrid's La Liga title in 1954 55 so much more important than it may be seen at the time. It earned them a place in the inaugural tournament in 1955, and Real Madrid then embarked on a historic run in the competition, winning each of the first five editions as they established themselves as the team to beat in Europe. Domestically, they were also successful, lifting four league titles during the 1950s. The 1960s proved to be another domestic golden era for the club, winning eight league titles in that period. They also lifted their sixth European crown in 1966, with the legendary Paco Gento still there even if most of the squad from the five-in-a-row era had long moved on. They continued their winning ways in the 1970s, conquering six more league titles with a roster that included the likes of Santillana, Piri and Amancio. Real Madrid had become not only a serial winning machine, but a collector of the world's best talent. However, there was something of a downturn in their fortunes in 1978 when Santiago Bernabeo passed away, seeing the club lose the greatest figure in its history. Heading into a new era, Real Madrid shifted their ways and recruitment. In 1980, the B-team, called Castilla, actually managed to reach the Copa del Rey final, meeting the Real Madrid first team, who beat them 6-1. But Castilla remained strong and even finished first in Segunda División in 1984. They couldn't be promoted, but several of their top players soon made it to the first team. This saw the birth of the group called La Quinta del Buitre, consisting of Emilio Budragueño, Manolo Sánchez, Rafael Martín Vázquez, Michel González and Miguel Pardeza. They all were utilized in the first team alongside goal Hugo Sánchez and won five straight league titles between 1985 and 1990, as well as their first ever UEFA Cup title, repeating the success a season after. The 1990s got off to a bit of a slow start with Los Blancos not lifting the league for a few years and having gone decades without a European crown. However, come the mid-1990s, the club enjoyed success again, especially as Raúl became the latest talent to emerge from the academy. League titles were won in 1995 and 1997, while the squad was strengthened with the likes of Roberto Carlos, Zucker, Milatovic and Clarence Seedorf. Paired with the likes of Redondo, Hierro and Raúl, Los Blancos then broke their European trophy drought of 32 years to win their 7th crown in 1998, their first since the continent's main competition had been rebranded as the Champions League. Mijatovic scored the only goal of that final against Juventus in Amsterdam. But they didn't have to wait long for the follow-up. That's because, under Vicente del Bosque, they won their 8th Champions League in 2000, this time overcoming fellow Spanish side Valencia, 3-0 in the final in Paris. 2000 was also a huge year for the club because it saw the arrival of a new president, Florentino Perez. He would go on to shape an era of his own.
1: Now, the turn of the century is where things do get really interesting in terms of Real Madrid's modern story. So let's carry on now and we'll do so with Paco Pollitt.
4: After conquering their eighth European Cup against Valencia in Paris, Real Madrid had saved themselves from the shame of not qualifying for European competitions after a disappointing 5th place in La Liga. They would play the Champions League anyway as the reigning champions, but the year 2000 provided yet another turning point for the history of the club. The arrival of Florentino Pérez as their new president in July after beating Lorenzo Sanz in the election. Florentino landed on the president's chair with a megaton announcement. The signing of Luis Figo, arch-nemesis Barca's main star, for a whopping 10,000 million pesetas, around 60 million euros. The of the Galacticos was born. In successive years, players such as Raúl, Roberto Carlos or a young goalkeeper named Iker Casillas would be joined by Zinedine Zidane in 2001, Ronaldo Nazario in 2002 after his spectacular performance in the World Cup and later David Beckham the following season in summer 2003. With Real Madrid becoming a financial and marketing juggernaut, the silverware kept piling up. The decade saw four La Liga trophies conquered, two Spanish Super Cups, and yet another Champions League, remembered forever for Sidan's late screamer volley against Bayer Leverkusen in 2002. In summer 2005, a young defender named Sergio Ramos was signed for a 27 million fee in one of the arguably cheapest transfers in over a century if we account for his performance and reliability. There was a notable absence of a single Copa del Rey conquest during those years, but nobody really seemed to care. However, the European drought would last for almost a full decade, while Real's triumphant cycle in Spain slowly came to an end, just as Guardiola's Barca began to emerge. Before that, though, Florentino Pérez resigned. He left the club in February 2006 in yet another turning point for the club, whose slow decline under Ramon Calderon also had its fair share of highlights, such as winning the 06-07 league with Fabio Capello in the dugout and with a clutch goal by Ruth Van Nistelrooy in the second-to-last game, followed by the now-famous Tamudazo in the match between Barca and Espanyol. However, controversy followed Calderon from the beginning to the end of his three years as president, with suspicions of foul play when he was elected and his resignation in 2009 after swearing he hadn't done anything wrong. One month earlier, he had sacked coach Bernd Schuster after stating that they had no chance against Guardiola's Barca. Juan de Ramos was brought in, Barça indeed won el Clásico with a 2-0 scoreline and Real were out of the championship race. Vicente Boluda was chosen as the president for a several-month transition period and his biggest contribution was not exactly the most positive one. He publicly and confidently predicted a chorreo or thrashing against Liverpool in their Champions League round and there was a thrashing indeed, and Real was at the receiving end, with Liverpool scoring four and knocking them out of Europe. Madridistas all around the world pleaded for a return of Florentino Pérez, which was once again elected in summer 2009. Under his belt, a shiny new contract, Cristiano Ronaldo from Manchester United, for an unheard till fee of 96 million euros. Cristiano wasn't the only signing, more big stars such as... Ricardo Kaká, a super young Karim Benzema or Xavi Alonso were added to a large roster of talent which unfortunately couldn't beat Barca into submission that season under Manuel Pellegrini. After club emblems such as Raúl or Guti left the club, Florentino fought fire with fire and decided to sign Jose Mourinho as the perfect anti-Guardiola manager. Under the Portuguese coach, Real became an uber-competitive side with Cristiano Ronaldo going toe-to-toe and even occasionally beating Lionel Messi as La Liga's and Europe's most prolific scorer. Real conquered the 2011 Copa del Rey and La Liga the following year, ending a nine-year spell without local dominance. But Mourinho squeezed absolutely everything out of his squad in order to battle Barca in fierce and even brawly, clásicos between both sides. The coach left in summer 2013 in the middle of a controversy with a number of open feuds with top players such as Iker Casillas or Sergio Ramos. Mourillo's departure proved yet another catharsis which casually took place in a good moment for Barça, displaying the usual flair typical of the Guardiola era under Tito Villanova first and later Luis Enrique. Real, however, would again bounce back with a vengeance. Carlo Ancelotti commanded the team into finally winning La Décima, the 10th Champions League title, on May 24, 2014 against another emerging superpower such as Atletico de Madrid. Sergio Ramos's 93rd-minute header was followed by goals by Gareth Bale, Marcelo and Cristiano Ronaldo in the extra time for a 4-1 final scoreline. The following season was a rough one, though. Ancelotti couldn't follow up La Decima with success, even after winning the FIFA Club World Cup, and he was out in summer 2015, as well as Iker Casillas, ending with a backdoor exit a 25-year spell as one of Real Madrid's and Spain's top legends ever. Rafael Benitez was signed with plenty of confidence, but he was sacked in January. Zinedine Zidane, whose experience as a top manager was inexistent and was coming fresh off the B-team, was appointed as the new coach in one of the riskiest moves in 114 years. That decision proved to be on point. Under Zidane, Real Madrid became once again a European juggernaut, stringing three consecutive Champions League titles in 2016, 2017 and 2018. That makes a total of 13 European Cups, the most ever for any football club. Three more editions of the FIFA Club World Cup were backed in the same years. Conquering la decimotercera in Kiev, though, became at a high cost. After winning the trophy, Zidane left as the manager and Real Madrid sold Cristiano Ronaldo to Juventus. The rebuilding process under Santiago Solari wasn't successful and, after being less than one year out of Real Madrid's dugout, Zidane was brought back in March 2019. His latest accomplishment? Overcoming a huge point difference after the COVID break in 2020 and winning the 2020 edition of La Liga with 10 wins in the last 11 games. and Airbnb, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com/host.
1: So that was the story of Real Madrid and all their success over the years. Given how much they've achieved and the world-class players who've achieved it for the club, it's hard to pick just a few individuals out. But at this part of each podcast in our club series we get one of our La Liga lowdown contributors to discuss their top three legends for the club. So, Hassan Karim is going to do that now for us.
3: Real Madrid is seen to be the pinnacle of club football by many. With such a rich history, we seen some of the greatest names in the sport step through their doors. But we push Gash there is a Raul. However, we picked three names who have had very unique impacts. And ranked in no particular order, we start with Santiago Bernabeu. Whilst he was certainly a solid player, his presidential tenure is one that truly transformed the club and made them what they are today. His real building of the stadium, the training facilities, and introduction of the sports like basketball which has transformed Real Madrid. He also built Real's foundation as a club of glamour, signing the likes of Di Stefano and expanding the club's image internationally. Without Bernabeu, it's hard to imagine Real would have been the force that they are today. Following Bernabeu, we've got Zinedine Zidane, a legendary player in his own right, capable of ballet-like performances on the pitch and memorable moments such as that goal at Hampton Park in 2002 which made him an outright legend. However, when he was named manager as a relative unknown in 2015, he succeeded his own legend in a very unique way. Three consecutive Champions Leagues, league titles, just trophies galore. Zizio has been a winning machine as a coach, and he's continued to break records, establishing himself as an all-time Real legend, a man described by Florentino Pérez as a blessing from heaven. Our final selection is current club captain Sergio Ramos, the Spanish international has been a rock for the club for over a decade at the back, becoming an all-time legend in the process, over 100 goals and countless memorable moments, who can convict, forget that 92-48 moment in Lisbon, the Decima, if it wasn't for Ramos that moment may never have happened. He's contributed to Ramos in ways few former captains have, he's capable of the biggest moments and he's still going strong to this day, and for that he's etched himself deep into the club's history.
1: There's no doubting that those three figures have all left an incredible legacy at the club. And in the case of Santiago Bernabeu, he built the stadium that still takes his name even today. To learn more about the Bernabeu Stadium then, let's bring in Niels Kern, a Real Madrid fan and a reporter for the Real Total German language website. Niels attends almost every Real Madrid game and is going to explain what the buzz around that part of Madrid is like when Los Blancos are playing at home.
0: Going to the Bernabeu was always a tough decision for me. In which bar should I go first? As the stadium is right in the heart of the city, there are hundreds of restaurants around. Hundreds of ways to meet your friends before kickoff. While most of the season ticket holders wait until kickoff in their bars, you see in the streets many younger fans and tourists. There's always somebody asking you to make a picture of them or to help them finding their way as it's their first time in the stadium. But all these pictures of thousands and thousands of people walking around searching one of the many many entries to the stadium this is all just a short snapshot as quick as the salesmen have built up their stands with jerseys or drinks as quick it's gone after the game i wouldn't say that in madrid football is vibrating like in sevilla The town is just too big and there are too many ways to go to and to leave the stadium. It's a five-hour snapshot of football and pure joy. But the fans in white shirts will later mix up in the city like a glass of milk in the sea. Madrid is not only football. Even around the Bernabeu there is a lot of commerce. But inside, football, expectations, dreams. I was so impressed at my first time in 2012 of these steep and high stands. This stadium just breathes history. Everywhere in the Bernabeu you have a great view and you can see everyone. Older fans eating their pipas and whistling when the football is not what they demand. Tourists doing selfies but also some passionate fans, although you can't expect 90 minutes of super support in the Bernabeu. If you want pure passion before and after kickoff, go to the Marceliano Street next to the stadium, where there are still the Ultrasur and many other fans. The rest feels more like a hustle and bustle. But I like it, as you always have many, many options and decisions to take. And I can't wait for the pandemic and the renovation works to be over and to finally to come back to the, in my opinion, best stadium in an even bigger city that has not only football to offer.
1: So that was the lowdown on Real Madrid and the matched experience at the Bernabeu. And this whole podcast has been, I hope, a concise summary of what Real Madrid are and what Real Madrid have achieved. Of course, there's so much more depth to their history that there wasn't time to cover, so definitely check out TheLeagueOfLowdown.com for more in-depth content and follow us on social media. For now, I want to thank then all the contributors to this episode. That's Roman de Arquer, Paco Pollitt, Hassan Karim and Niels Kern. I've been your host, Jim McTeer, and I want to conclude by saying thanks a lot for listening.